Everyone's got opinions when it comes to leadership. And let's be honest, how many experts do we all know? But where can we find real leadership advice that's not BS? Well, look no further. Welcome to No BS Leadership, where on each episode, we attempt to expose the gap between what leaders think they should be doing and what actually works without the BS. Listen in as we irritate some, inform others, and challenge all leaders to discover a better path to the leadership excellence we all want. And welcome back to No More Leadership BS, everybody. And we are excited for another episode. But before we get into our episode, let's introduce our cast of characters. Let's say good morning, Mr. Geyer. How are you today? Hey, good morning, everybody. Good afternoon. Good evening, wherever you are in podcast land. I'm here. Let's go. Podcast land. I wonder what kind of rides they have there. They got, you have to stand in line. <laughs> got to get a fast pass? <laughs> you can get a fast pass, yes. I don't Excellent. think that's trademarked. <laughs> yeah, anywhere. Nor do they sponsor this episode yet. No, yeah. they will. <laughs> and with us is Dr. Sam Jennings. How are you, doctor? It is such a good morning. Happy to be here. Awesome. Glad you're Could here, you sir. take a look at this? Could you take a look at this? I'm having this problem, doctor. Could you? Oh, different doctor. I'm at the screen. It hurts. Off the screen, Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> it hurts right here. Yeah. And the never dull, the madman of Otis Orchard, Mr. Jeff McLaughlin. How are you, buddy? Doing great. <laughs> little post, yeah, post little chest something there. I don't know where that came from. It just happens occasionally. And, and the rose amongst the thorns. Miss Myra Hall, how are you, Miss? I am surviving one more time of um, of this group, and it never <laughs> fails to to amaze me where you guys go in the green rooms. <laughs> wow. Myra, we're morning. glad you're we're glad you're here too. Come on, <laughs> yep. I love you guys. I love oh, being here. God. Good morning to everybody. I would say my wife says the exact same thing. I'm just tolerating this. I'm just putting up with it. <laughs> oh, and I am Jeff Conroy, the host of today's episode. And today, I want to debunk the myth that a manager and a leader are one in the same. Now, throughout my own personal career, guys, I've had people that have managed by intimidation and not motivation. And back in the early 90s, that was... A thing when I was working for like when I was working for the Boy Scouts, we had a, a, a boss that whenever he wanted you, he rang a bell, and it was that I'm going to manage. That's a true story. He had a, he he would ring a bell when he wanted us. So he he managed by <laughs> intimidation and not motivation. But one of the things that I've learned over the last thirty years is if you're you you always hear you manage checkbook, you manage your checkbook, you you lead people. Managers establish goals. Leaders create a vision. Managers focus on short-term goals and leaders focus on the big picture. And that's the type of leader that me personally, I've tried to become and I've tried to instill in others, but there are still those leaders out there that feel that if I can't motivate them, if I can't get them excited about their job, then I'm going to lead by intimidation. A lot of times when people want to change their leadership style, they expect it to change overnight. And it's a marathon, not a sprint. I think we can all agree on that. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk a little bit about your guys' experience working with people and advice to people that want to get more out of their teams than 
than what intimidation or the short term can bring. Real quick story. You, you lead the way you were led. And when I was first became a leader of people, I was, for lack of a, I was an asshole. I threw coffee cups. I would scream and yell. And I figured out that no one was following me. And I, that's when I learned that people that are not leading people are on a long, lonely journey. And that's when I really worked hard to change my leadership style, starting off reading the Stephen Covey, Zig Ziglar's, John Maxwell's, but then got into the Desmond Tutus and the Martin Luther King's and the uh, Nelson Mandela's of the world and started studying that. In fact, I got a master's degree in leadership and just kept working to, to improve myself and my leadership style. And I will say that I was way more successful as a leader building team than building fear mm -hmm. in my own mm -hmm. personal life. So what's your guys' experience in that? Oh, man. Okay, immediately off the top of my head, the moment you said throwing coffee cups and, and lady band by tyranny, I, I had two examples pop into my brain. And thank God I had the good one first because I didn't want to learn from the second one. And the, the second one was... Just out of high school, I was working building tennis courts, which if you've never seen a tennis court built, it's actually made out of tennis court starts off as a big slushy liquid. And oh, it's it's a fascinating process. But the company that I was working with, the the guy that was the head of the, the crew, the team was just this giant a-hole is the best way I can describe it. And he would just pick and berate and just demean you in any way, shape or form that he could. And his thought process, he actually explained this to me years after I quit, that he goes, oh yeah, you always worked harder when you were pissed off. So I just poked your buttons, poked, poked you, and then you'd work really hard. And But there was a time that he, he pushed so far, I, I walked off a job that was 150 miles away from home. And I was like, there's no way I'm getting in a car with that guy. And I, I think I walked five or six miles before they, they finally came and picked me up. And they're like, by the way, the hotel's back that way and you've got another 150. 55 miles to go or whatever. And at that point, it, it was in Pasco, Washington. I remember because it, it was like 110 degrees out. And, but yeah, and it was ridiculous. And I loathed that man. I did not like working with him. I only lasted one summer because I couldn't stand the way he treated us. The opposite, the complete opposite was that of that was my basketball coach when I was a little kid. And he, even though we were younger, challenged us. He treated us with humanity even though we were young kids and we we're playing basketball, we're, we're in, in sports. He, he set things up so that there was this mutual respect. And then he said, guess what? We're going to win. We're going to lose. He goes, we're playing up, but we're going we're gonna to do the best we can. And every time we do it, we're going to analyze it. What went right? What went wrong? And we're going to say, how do we train to be better? And he goes, we're going to do that as a team. And so immediately at the very start, he set up the, the environment where everybody mattered and he took input from us, even his little fifth and sixth graders. And he made us, honest, honest to God, anybody on that team would have attempted a thousand times to run through a brick wall just to make him happy because we knew that he believed in us. And if we, he would have said, I actually think you can do it on a thousand and first try, we all would have jumped right up and gone at it again. Because that's the kind of environment that he created that in a, like he enabled us to be successful and to be great. And so thank God I had him first because he led through inspiration. He led through having a vision. He led through building the team versus hitting us with a stick. And don't get me wrong. There were times when he got angry with us. There were times when he worked us relentlessly because that was a part of the game. And he said, you're going to have to be better in better shape to be able to last longer, 
to go up against tougher com- opponents because that's what life's going to throw at you and everything related back to life. So those are the two examples that I think of right away. And one ex- extremely effective. And the other one was made me want to stab somebody in the face with a shovel. <laughs> you, you pick which yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually worked for a guy that liked to have confrontation amongst his leadership team. And I was part of his leadership team. He'd like to have confrontation. He would stir stuff up. And I didn't understand that. And I didn't enjoy that. So, Interesting. Yeah. Dr. Sam, what's your experience? I mean, think about it. Why it been is Jeff was telling his story. And before I get into any storytelling of my own, however, I think your story is incredible. We had Lee Cockrell on a few episodes ago. And people who've got that fire and start off with basically leading through anger and, like you said, basically uh, threading. And then flip that switch at some point. Realize this is not getting it done anymore. And every time you mention that, I, I just have such a cognitive dissonance trying to imagine you being that guy. Yeah. You're passionate, but you're not angry. So you share what you share out of care and love and concern, not out of trying to force somebody to a particular point of view, which is what I think leaders do and don't know any better. They yeah. throw things across rooms. Yeah. Um, so from my experiences, thankfully, I don't have many. I don't have that kind of fire. You know, I used to get a little bit up on a basketball court at time or two as a young man. Otherwise, you know, I'm not going to be the one that's throwing things across the room. But I've been in work environments where that is a definite possibility in a manufacturing space. Where one of the, uh, the foremen got angry and there was a hole in the wall about 30 feet up. There was, but there's a marker of don't piss off the foreman because he threw a, <laughs> um, basically what it amounts to just for the listeners without describing it too detail is a big, heavy spear. He got pissed off about something and threw this thing in, in a plywood mill and it stuck. And oh my God, I was a hole in the wall forever and don't make him mad. And people, I don't think it was in, in threat for their own safety and, and other outside of maybe a debris field, but still the idea that that anger was right there on the surface to show up. And that's the motivator, right? Don't piss off the boss because you know what might happen. It's in the arsenal. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a terrible place to be. You're you're operating out of fear of the unknown versus inspiration to the known. Hundred percent agree. Yeah, Mister Geyer, how are you, sir? Yeah, I, I I agree with Doctor Sam. It's hard to imagine Conroy getting so upset in a, in a work environment, throwing coffee cups. So the first question I have, would, did it have coffee in there or would you use? No, that'd be wasteful. That'd be, be, wasteful. be terrible. You empty cups. Yeah. Drinks around either. That's frosty cold beverages. That's alcohol <laughs> abuse. That's abuse. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That, that's hard to believe it. I, I don't know. In, in my, um, in my, in my decades of, uh, of experience, I've come to believe generally speaking, and there are exceptions to every, every statement or every rule almost. But generally, I've always, uh, I've come to to know that managers maintain the status quo. Whatever's there, we're, we're, we want to manage and keep together what we have. And leaders are trying to get to someplace else, presumably someplace better, a bigger, stronger, faster, whatever it is. And so every place that I worked we always had uh, at the senior levels, we had quote unquote management teams. And one of the first things I would do is change the title of the management team to the leadership team, because I wanted their mindset to be about growth and change and forward movement, as opposed to maintaining what we had yesterday. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I agree. I, I And I love that le- leadership team because 
I've never called people I work with employees. I call them team members. In fact, I was just at an event in Eastern Oregon with my sister and she introduced a me. Listener. She, a listener. A listener. Yeah, I know. I was, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was, and she introduced me to a coworker. She goes, she works for me. And I go, no, she works with you. She goes, no, she right. works for me. And I went, no, she works with you. That's not absurd. One of the, one of the, I, I can tell a story. I, I just told you my opinion. One of, one of the ways that I, I learned it probably was now decades ago, I'm in the U.S. Air Force. I'm at a Halloween party off base. I was stationed at Nellis Air Force Base in Lost Wages, Nevada. And we're at this Halloween party, just there's enlisted people there and officers there and in walks the commander of the base. So a two-star general. And we're standing around in this group talking to the general and everybody's in civilian clothes. And um, the general happens to be standing right next to me or I'm standing right next to him. And somebody bumps my arm and I drop my drink onto his foot. And I thought, I'm at the time, I'm like a, two-striper or a three-striper or something, this two-star general, I just dropped my drink on his foot. And the drink back in the day was Southern Comfort and 7-Up, so pretty good deal. And I went, oh my goodness. And I got down, you know, I grabbed some paper towels or napkins or something, was trying to clean this up and just wiping the foot. And he tapped me on the shoulder and he said, son, stand up. I stood up, said, yes, sir. And he goes, you don't need to wipe off my shoes. And the leadership lesson I learned that moment, you know, he's a two-star general. He could have pounded me into the brig for simply dropping this horrible drink on his shoe. And he was like, no stuff happens. It's no big deal. I'm at a party. And I learned a lot about the humility of leadership in that moment when I was 20 or 21 years old. You know, I was in a, I was in a conversation, a Zoom meeting with some of my Disney friends last week. And one of them worked for Disney for for years. And he said he worked for three different CEOs of Disney, Michael Eisner, Bob Iger, all of them. He says, whenever they would walk through the park, they would always bend over and pick up garbage if they saw garbage. Mm-hmm. And yep. it, it was never been, it was that task was never beneath them. To me, that's a leader. That's leadership. So Myra, what experiences have you had? I get the advantage of sitting there listening to you guys. I thought you were sleeping. Um, no, I was not <laughs> sleeping. No, but I'm processing. And just for a second, I want to talk to the leaders that do throw fits, that do throw their hat in the air, that are so frustrated because they're not getting the results that they need, that they're forced, they think, to take measures that aren't really effective except in the short term. And I want to say that I feel your pain. I feel the pressure that you're under. And I know that it, it's coming down from the top, whether it whether you own that company or whether you have somebody to respond to, the pressure is real. And it's human nature for, for a lot of people to when they're pushed, they pop. That's just human nature. But it's not a good way to lead. You need to learn to respond rather than react. And that's what we're doing when we pop off or I, I had a brother who unfortunately was my boss at one time and every time he would get mad he would throw his hat up in the air and everybody knew to take cover yeah because it was somebody was going to get it somebody was going to get it and he went through people 
and not only did he go through people, he used usually got the job done, but the people were so beat up. Now, this was on a fruit farm, and everybody knows the pressures of probably everybody doesn't know. It was cherries, it was it's June, and rain is on the horizon. You got to move or you're gonna lose your whole crop. And those are the kind of pressures that I want to say, I hear you. I know what it's like to be under those kind of pressures. I've had them myself. But if you want true, true leadership, true followers that are everything they can be, take a look at are you responding or are you reacting? Because responding includes the whole situation. Reacting, you might as well put gas up to or match up to gasoline. That's what you're going to get. And that's the results ultimately that you will get. I agree. Well, think about folks uh, making a transition, having some kind of awakening. We tend to look at the some of the giants that, that Conrad mentioned in his the, the books he've read. They've had their own arcs, and they're not always that great. So Mahatma Gandhi is uh, understood to have said that his wife and kids listen to him a lot better once he stopped hitting them. Yep. So th- there's no um, individual, I think, that we model ourselves after that does not have some kind of arc. So at Myron's point, if you are the coffee cup thrower, the hat chucker, the screamer, yeah, there's stress and it comes out in different ways for some folks. And if you can pause and take stock of what's got you so angry in that moment and not have that emotive outburst, you just might have a little different result on the other side. And that's 100% exactly right. I mean, even Nelson Mandela has his well-documented arc. The great leaders do. The great leaders have learned and have self-improved, but they've, and they usually have had some type of a mentor and example that they wanted to be like. Having Cockerell on here, Cockerell, you know, he, he talks about what is it, the ashtray or the beer can? The after a second ashtray, study, yeah, yeah, yeah yep. after he's had a total of 14 stitches, his wife said, maybe it's your leadership style. But that's, I, I guess, that's why I resonate so well with those types of people because been there, done that, got the t shirt, not proud of it at all. It actually makes for a great talking point when I go out and when I speak to groups, but it's, it's that tra- transformative life I have lived since 2005, and, and it's taken me time reading about. Forgiveness, Desmond Tutu's uh, No Future Without Forgiveness is amazing. It's, it talks about the, the forgiveness trials that, uh, in South Africa that prevented them from going into to, to civil war, where, where the people that were perpetrating the atrocities were asking for forgiveness from the people that were receiving the atrocities, and they were forgiven. And, mm-hmm. and that's, that speaks volumes. So if they can do it, hell, we can do it. So th- this is the myth I wanted to bring this morning was you're not just a manager, you're a leader. Don't be a manager. You manage your checkbook, you lead people. If anybody is interested in having your questions answered, email us at askus at leadershipbs.co. Jeff, Myra, Sam will all be here. And I will all be here to answer your questions. If you have any, reach out to us. We will help you. A lot of leaders that we work with want to improve and want to be better. And for five people that have been through that arc, we can answer 99% of your questions. If not, we can we can refer the 1% to someone. With that being said, lady and gentlemen, it is great to see you guys. This was fun. Be a leader, not a manager. Email us at askus at leadershipbs.co. Until next time, take care, everybody. Woo! We hope you enjoyed this episode of the No Leadership BS Podcast. 
If you have any stories, questions, or comments you would like to share with us, please email us at askusatleadershipbs.co. That's askusatleadershipbs.co. Don't forget to give us a five-star review so we can reach more people. Thank you so much, and tune in next time. We'll see you then. 